0: Hello, and welcome to the Treehouse Chat, uh, your weekly podcast of four highly informative, highly researched, and uh, highly conversational minds coming together in one central treehouse. Uh, My name's Connor, opening up the show for you here. Uh, I specialize in the culinary arts and music production.
1: What's up, guys? It's Kevin. Uh... Last week I was at dingus. This <laughs> week I'm actually going to Texas tomorrow <laughs> to compete in Quidditch Nationals Boo. over the Hell yeah, brother. So uh, come find me in Round Rock, Texas. <clears throat> it's gonna be lit.
2: I'm Trenton, and I don't do any sports.
1: Oh,
2: I am a professional binge watcher.
1: You're a professional mobile Royale player.
3: Yeah, a professional game player and TV show watcher. Nice. Um, I am Joseph, and I just kind of hang out.
1: Play with your hair. Yeah. Quoth <laughs> <laughs> his hair. hair. Very fun.
0: Well, gentlemen, uh, as you all know, and hopefully the listeners by now know, uh, we have a randomly generated word each week that is brought forth that we delve into the research of, that we um, explore and ponder for the week until we reconvene. And uh, this week's word is shiver. S-H-I-V-E-R, shiver.
1: Pretty uh, pretty good word, especially for today's weather. We've had Mm -hmm. some cold weather here today. Well,
0: gentlemen, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to open it up here first. Uh, My take on the word shiver today... Taking it, Connor, the selfish man. Mm -hmm. All
2: right. Shivering Timbers,
0: take it right (laughs) away. (laughs) Zip up. (laughs) Uh, My take on the word shiver, I was thinking, obviously, weather and temperature. Global warming.
4: oh mm. here we go. Mm.
0: Global warming or climate change? Uh, more so global warming, mm. but but uh, again, this is an open conversation between four, you know, highly questioning minds, and and so we can inquisitive. Yeah, inquisitive, my man. So we can get into some climate change, but um, I just wanted to open it up with climate. Uh, or excuse me, global warming. <laughs> you got me messed up there. <laughs> uh, so global warming is basically. From what I understood, when the sun's heat is coming down to Earth, and the Earth absorbs it, and it's supposed to then give off a certain amount, you know, back into the atmosphere. Reflected. Mm -hmm. Correct. And some of it's reflected or absorbed by clouds, and there's just different factors in that. Uh, But one of the big things is that there's a certain atmospheric layer that the light or the heat will get through, um, but then... Stay in Stay in, correct so some Greenhouse of... effect Correct, so I'll get into the greenhouse effect uh, later on But that's what it's saying is that, is that the heat is supposed to be able to escape Through its atmosphere um, But only partially some of it will stay in With all of the chemicals and emissions Pollution Pollution, exhaust, all that That's sort of building up You know, stuff that Holes Right, yeah tearing down, breaking away the uh, the ozone layer.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you get stuff like cancer.
0: Right, because that stuff doesn't have its chance to escape. There's just
2: pockets. <laughs> well, so, it's direct. It's like coming down directly on you. I'm pretty right. sure there's a massive one over Australia. Yeah. is mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why it's a huge deal. Like, people are always putting on that sunscreen that's like the pure white, and they don't actually rub it in, you know? Yeah, they just wow. have, like, thick all over their faces, running around like Michael Jackson. So I'm (laughs) curious,
1: do you guys think, uh, I want to say way back, like tens of thousands of years ago when, like, humans first kind of became humans on the planet and were making a name for themselves, uh, do you think they had to worry about the sun as much and getting sunburned as we do now? Do you think Mm. the fact that our ozone layer has been slowly depleting and more of those UV radiation coming through uh, kind of makes us more... Mm. uh, more prone to skin disease and getting somber? I
3: would think so.
2: Probably marginally. Yeah. yeah.
0: But do you think it's like, like a drastic amount? I think like people it? spend... It's almost like a disease, yeah, I think. Not, not that the sun's a disease, but like... W- humans nowadays, compared to 2,000 years ago, spend more time inside buildings and inside cars. And we have sunscreen. Correct. Mm-hmm. And we have just, like, thicker clothes and stuff. Yeah. So we are more... Uh, we don't get hit as hard by the sun in most yeah, places so around over time. where we are so uh, in most first world countries it's, it may be different uh, in cultures where people live outside but that's what then i was going to get to is uh, compared to way back then people were out in the sun and exposed to it more so they yeah. probably just got sunburnt so many times as a kid that then they built up a tougher skin and
2: yeah adapted skin um, correct yeah
0: so I, I mean it's not that we've decreased or depleted as uh as a species but
2: yeah evolutionarily speaking we, we just, just didn't need it as much yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so i can get with that theory but i do think i think like it was probably just so marginal because of course they didn't have skin products but i feel like they're not out there like all of them were getting skin cancer mm-hmm. you
1: know? yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah i think that uh like melan what what we call skin cal- cancer is melanoma right mm-hmm. Do you think that was still like do you think they still had that? They just didn't know what it was called and would just call it like yeah. the disease of death. And when you <laughs> got it you would just die cuz they didn't have chemotherapy. They didn't yeah. have any medicine to try to counter the cancer. It's like you get melanoma and next thing you know 2 days later you
3: I bet there were some cases. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Back then you could just die from so
2: many things. I feel like they just they didn't even hardly question it so much. Yeah, you just, just like, died. Another one keeled over. What what say The thing is Ancient medicine, you 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 probably
0: couldn't tell the difference between if someone had an aneurysm or a heart attack. or
2: A common cold or the plague, you know. People are just like, well, he sneezed, he's a goner. He sneezed, we need to kill him
0: before he kills us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you guys know that the common farming business, or I guess the agricultural market, uh, is one of the leading... Contributors to global warming and the greenhouse so effect. Right, so it's yeah. the uh, cow shit. I believe it's, it's the methane. Yeah, it's the methane in in yeah. the cow feces, but as well as as it was saying, um, just thinking of all the thousands of tractors out there and like chemicals that are sprayed over plants and stuff. So it's a lot of other stuff that's just that you think is good and going to help, and it does. It will help make food better. Oh,
2: yeah. I guess. But to make that... Um, but at this point, can we even go back? I mean,
3: no. yeah, with the population the we have and
2: the demands we have, there's not really another way for that. There's things we can fix, mm-hmm. and then there's things we can't. Yeah. But, potential solution... Purge the population? No, <laughs> not purge the population. <laughs> <it>. Hitler. Um, <laughs> potential solution, a new thing that I just heard about, synthetic meat is taking Ooh, off. i yeah, heard about that. So, synthetic meat... Same taste, supposedly same nutrition. Don't they make it in, like, big, like, spinning silo things that... I have no idea. I I've,
1: I watched some video on it, and I just remember seeing it almost looks like... You guys know what taffy looks like when it's being made and kind of stretched out? Yeah. It almost reminds me of, like, red taffy. to things spinning around, and apparently...
2: And then it just I don't know how they do it, out,
1: but I think it has it becomes similar to, like, cell creation almost.
2: Interesting. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, oh, yeah.
1: Hopefully it'll make it cheaper. We could just have steak every day.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then we wouldn't have to have such things as factory farming and stuff like that. I feel like it could solve a lot of issues. But I really don't know if they can make it totally with all the nutrients that we need from meat.
1: But if we switch more towards synthetic meat and we stop eating less cows, then we're going to get more cows, which is going to increase global warming.
2: Well, I'm sure we'll just... Kill them off enjoying the last ones as a delicacy. Think about it. Like, farm cattle will become so rare, because we won't need them anymore, that, like, only rich people will be having real cow, and it'll become, like, a cream of the crop delicacy. And, like, by that point, everybody else is, like, 3D printing little goose steaks. at home. <laughs> That'd be so sad.
1: Yeah. Think about it. What's better than driving through western Kansas and seeing a bunch of moo moo's on the side oh. of What's better than that? Nothing. <laughs> all you got is wheat, wind turbines. <laughs> okay. There is nothing when you better see. Than that. We when did all you that see for like nothing. eight hours. <laughs> when all you see is wheat and wind turbines for hundreds of miles, a few familiar cow faces is a welcome mm,
3: sight. I will give you that. that after yeah. nothing but wheat, corn, and windmills, the cow can. I'd still
2: rather be driving
3: anywhere but Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <Well>, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> give me to the mountains, then it's enjoyable
0: so uh, a lot of the big talk with um, global warming and the climate change Kev, like you were getting to and we'll kind of I'll kind of open it up more on that part but um, with the earth essentially warming up and it was saying um, in the next 15 to 20 years we could the average worldwide global temperature uh, is going to rise somewhere close to 3 degrees which doesn't seem like a lot but Mm. but that's what you I mean that's what we think about number wise Oh, f- three, three de- degrees three on three average. Three degrees in the next 20 years isn't much, but that's nine degrees over the next 60 years or so. And, like, think like about it's just going to get...
2: And damage will probably increase exponentially. Oh, yeah. It'll probably yeah. go that's... three net one year, yeah. four the next, six you, the you next.
0: Exactly. And You don't think about it, but, like, there's little things in in the world, in, like, nature and in farming and stuff, where, like, little changes to, mm-hmm. to climate... Uh, and just to the overall weather can it's sh- all out. can really know. have a big yeah can change change uh, weather in certain areas when
1: uh when i was in singapore we went to uh it was this cool like museum thing that was it was like cloud flowers and it was this big like flower museum looking thing but you get to a point and it started talking about climate change and different things and it had this big like movie video playing that basically gave like one possible outcome. It's not the only outcome because the future is unknown. Anything could happen. It could rise three degrees. It couldn't. We don't know yet. But what it showed is one outcome that could possibly happen if we keep going the way we are. Uh, what it said was pretty much within like five hundred years. Most of the species on the planet are gonna start to like die out because the planet's gonna become like a barren desert, pretty much.
2: That's if we keep increasing at in our rate.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But it's
2: so much it's gonna be long. It's going to be a long process to curve it and it's going to be hard, but like embracing the electrical cars, bracing stuff like Solar that, we're going to be yeah. able to get to where only like the heaviest of machinery will still have to run on like oil.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think it's like, I just, I can't remember exactly where it was, but some like major country or something just promised to fully like convert to electric cars by 2050 or something that's like within new. our lifetimes. Yeah. yeah. And I was like that, that's the right direction. Because yeah. that's the only way. Cars are like a plague, right? And, right yeah. Well, we're the plague. Humans we're are. Plague. Cars are like the knife that the plague has, mm-hmm. and they're just destroying. We need to get these mm-hmm. things out of here. We yeah, well, need to get
0: rid of the trucks. Well, in November 2017, <laughs> uh, there was a warning, like a I don't want to say quote unquote warning, but like it was basically explained. Uh, And signed by over 15,000 scientists from 184 different countries, basically summarizing that, um, or it says uh, on that warning on this document, uh, the current trajectory of potential catastrophic climate change due to rising greenhouse gases from burning fossil fuels, deforestation, and agricultural production, particularly from farming, uh, from farming, uh, from meat consumption, Mm. is especially troubling As they were saying, so they're seeing this trajectory. As we mentioned, they um, just said
2: it was troubling. It's it's especially troubling. (laughs) We all agree this is particularly bad. Yeah, (laughs) we need Um, to sign something because this is bad.
0: Right, and so, but that's the thing: is over 150, excuse me, 184 different countries, fifteen thousand different scientists, all came together and noticed, like, (laughs) this is a global issue, Um, and. The North and South Poles are being affected, and water levels are rising. And mm, uh, polar the, bears, the yeah, polar polar there's going to be like populations of species that are going to start to struggle. Um, and you've uh, even in the past few years, we've seen just crazy uh weather, and, yeah. and, and natural oh, yeah. disasters, and <laughs> rising sea levels, is correct? Yeah. Some hurricanes, did, hur- okay, yeah, this
3: last hurricane season. They're about Brutal. five. Just one after another. And that's the thing, is it, hurricanes have a lot it. of
0: different factors, but obviously <clears> if there's more
2: it'll sound dumb. If there's more water, there's gonna be <laughs> yeah, bigger I hurricanes. Mean, and so Yeah, I remember I was reading a story, some coastline city just spent like so much money raising like all the roads or something, mm. like ten feet or mm-hmm. something. So small. But they spend like, an incredible amount of money on doing this. And he he caught so much, like, controversy for it. And he's like, look, sea levels are rising. I'm not going under. <laughs> and Venice is having the same problem.
1: Well, yeah, Venice uh-huh. is going to be underwater in, like, 100 years.
2: Venice will become the thing of the past. It will become Atlantis. Out uh, of the Yeah. It'll be the Merman. Yeah. And it'll be the underwater they city. They never
1: found Atlantis, did they? The true Atlantis.
2: Mm-hmm. Or did they? Ooh. Only the true Atlanteans know. <laughs>
1: I remember, uh, well, it's kind of off topic of that, but do you remember that show on Netflix, the, like, ten mysteries, like, that have never been solved, or it's just that show that has all those Yeah, there's a ton of
2: them, like, that sci-fi show. The one on World War II.
1: (laughs) The one about World War II where they found that sub that they think Hitler actually escaped on, and there was all the, like, fancy, like, high-class stuff that was in there, and it seems like they might have faked his death. And And he he escaped
2: to Atlantis. To Atlantis? He took a submarine. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, that's the thing I was
0: going to get back to with greenhouse effects and then I'll kind of wrap it up or open up for discussion with you guys. Um, as we talked about at the beginning, kind of circling back, the greenhouse effects uh, brought on by all these emissions, um, aerosols in the air from just stuff people use every day. Um, as we were talking about breaks down the ozone. So the, the sun's rays are coming through. And that's going to lead to higher levels of, like you were saying, cancer and other uh, other health issues. Difficult. Skin disease. Yeah, exactly. Just stuff because these these chemicals um, are just not being able to function like they used to, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the, the heat's coming into the earth. It usually escapes, you know, somewhat, but...
2: The atmosphere traps most of it. <laughs> but now it's heating up our ice, yeah, and melting, that's the thing that it, fucking everything up. Yeah, fucking it
1: all.
2: You know, to be honest, we'll be dead before it's a problem. And I love the heat. I say, bring it on. I've, I've heard, heard that. No. That's what I mean. Yeah, I'm gonna say I like the cold. Yeah. <clears throat> I just uh I hate the winter. I hate it with all my heart. I hate, I hate the to sun, shiver, man. <laughs> it's like every time I'm walking around, and it's cold. I'm always like hunched. And then I'll notice when I get inside finally, how hunched I've been and like my neck will just hurt and my shoulders will be tight. The whole winter long, I'm just constantly like uncomfortable. And you can't do anything and snow gets in your clothes and then melts and then you're wet and cold. Mm-hmm. Get hypothermia in five minutes if you're wet.
1: Oh, I'd like to go somewhere warm. Yeah, I like the winter and the summer, but I like the summer and the winter. And I always like the spring and fall.
2: So should we <laughs> yeah. adapt, build floatable cities? We Ooh. abandon the nations as we know them. We build an entirely floating community. Nation, and we man. just roll with the changes. I hate it. We stop ah. We stop trying to fight. And we just say, you know what? Let the ice melt. Let everything flood. We're going to just build floatable cities and we're going to become a water people. I what say no.
3: How are we going to like agriculture? I like plants. We will plants
0: hunt too. fish. What I if we go to Mars? I love plants. That's saying. the thing. Yeah, that's a very possible... Because people just are into space travel now. Yeah. It's sad to think about but it could come to something like a like a Wally scenario. Oh god. I would Not not because be the earth is that. too polluted by garbage but just because it literally is like it's
2: not safe to live Unlitable. on. Unlivable. Well, because yeah. of us still. I mean yeah. whether it's garbage or anything, it'll be our fault.
1: The world is pretty pretty people just go find another planet.
2: But Elon like, Musk has promised like Mars colonization like within the next It's like super soon. Within like 20 years or yeah. 30. He's promising that there'll be people living there. Yeah, so which is wild. I'm excited that. There will definitely be a Mars community and like we're gonna be figuring out so much cool stuff about Mars in the coming years. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'd go live on Mars. If if there was a petition and it was just like we're doing one way tickets, you might not get a trip back. Like if if you go to the planet you're stuck there.
3: You get a shack. There's one room. Yeah. You're you are Is there
0: women pilgrim
2: there? to the to the new world I Yeah, honest, I heard go.
3: before that they actually that NASA actually put out things
2: yeah and a lot of people signed it yeah uh, man I totally would've but NASA isn't even close NASA's getting outshined dude uh, Elon, Musk, Elon Musk, Musk is like <laughs>
1: putting the country on his back right now and just going off on his own and I'm what loving the it the world <laughs> on his
0: back he's just like let's you know you guys are gonna
3: figure your shit out. He's
1: like, I got all this money. I'm just gonna keep moving.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you guys can sit here and argue your politics. Yeah. I'm gonna go get to Mars and I'll see on the a other side. Dude, private
2: space travel—that's something that we've never known, but that's something that's going to be huge yeah. by the time that's we're wild.
0: old. again. That's in the trajectory upward. That like people used to say, "Oh, I don't, I can't travel." Yeah, because why? I can't travel because my horse won't be able to make it to that city. And now it's, ah, oh, I can't go that far because, you know, I, you know it's overseas. And wow. now it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I could probably go to another
2: planet. <laughs> like, yeah. Some guy walks up to another guy and he's like, what's your travel line you're flying? He's like, oh, SpaceX or NASA. I, I definitely don't do Space Flight 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd take SpaceX over NASA any day, I'm not going to lie. I would trust Elon Musk more than I would trust
2: yeah, Mr. I mean NASA. The, the rockets are <laughs> named cooler stuff. Okay, NASA has cool rover names. The Curiosity, yeah. mm. those are good. Wow. But SpaceX has better ship names. Ooh. He has like mm. the Falcon Heavy. <laughs> and, like, oh yeah. The, the, the big fucking rocket or something. Dude, the Falcon <laughs> Heavy is awesome, the, and they just the look BFR. cool.
3: BFR. Yeah, he's got more style. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the BFR. I fly SpaceX. What does BFR uh, stand for? Oh, it's just a big fun rocket. Uh, <laughs> best friend yeah, rocket. You know. hey, yeah, we're best buds. It's the best friend yeah. rocket. Well, gentlemen,
0: uh,
3: that was my contribution for the word shiver. Yeah, um, oh, I okay. like that. Um, but, you
0: know,
2: took it yeah, the opposite way. Real quick, way.
3: Uh, this kind of goes along with this. I One thing I thought about doing for shiver, um, I believe it was in an environmental, ens- environmental science class. We were learning kind of about global warming and this test. I don't remember what it's called but they i believe it was in antarctica Mm -hmm. um and they would drill into the snow just down deep and pull out a long frozen pole yeah yeah yeah. yeah, really i like 20 feet long and there'd be arms yeah of ice just a pole of ice okay Mm -hmm. yeah just from the ground um and there's air bubbles trapped inside and that's just over the years and as the seasons (gasps) change Atmosphere gets trapped in there, so they would test it to see what you know, the early uh, atmospheres were like exactly to see Ooh, how much it's changed. And that's how much so cool, more shit is in it now. Uh, that's super dope because there was not yeah. a whole
2: lot of oxygen in the air, it was mostly anaerobes because yeah. it was a lot more like nitrogen in the air. It was weird, like we couldn't have survived for a long time. And then they used it all, converted it all to oxygen, <laughs> yep. and made us an oxygen rich planet. So that's pretty dope think yeah. it'll ever switch
1: from being oxygen rich back to like what if next is carbon monoxide well, we based? kill all the trees there yeah we we have well that's the thing they're talking
0: about too is, is that trees usually i don't think i really got to that too much but the trees and vegetation in general are good at. they're just filters basically
3: yeah see our best they're probably the best helpers right and yeah. so, so this problem but we're killing them down. So we're using to make the problem. And they use so fossil many fuels to chop yeah. them
0: down to run these equipment to run this equipment, these machines, to. to we're tear the We're ruining the planet to ruin the planet <laughs> exactly, more Exactly, yeah. And so with that with fewer filters when then we're just using more emissions, uh, that breaks down the ozone.
4: So yeah,
0: gentlemen, that's uh, that's global warming. And, and that's shivering. the life
2: that we're given. And what can we do? Well, we won't be mm. shivering for much very longer years, yeah, so. yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. oh, you wanna you wanna yeah. join me? Oh yeah, Kevin.
1: I could take it. So I'm pretty happy you were talking about global warming because I didn't take it in the global warming perspective. Mm. Um, okay. But what I did think of, I was thinking uh, shiver, and the first thing that popped in my head, no idea why, it wasn't winter, wasn't being cold, it was just the ice age. That is cold. Yeah, I know, but that it's was... not like <laughs> it's not like the first thing I would think of for shiver. I just thought of the ice age. Well, ice,
2: I mean, mean, that's, like, one of the first things I
3: would think of. (laughs) Well. But I see your point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
3: You could have gone somewhere else, yeah. So
1: I was like, the Ice Age, but I was like, the Ice Age isn't that cool. I started reading into the Ice Age, and I did find out, we are in an Ice Age. What people think is an Ice Age when the whole planet's covered in ice isn't really a thing. There's been multiple Ice Ages, like, throughout the history of the Earth. I didn't read too much into the article, but... I found that little bit It's out, a so.
2: mass extinction, I think, right? It's well, all about,
1: there's different terms. That for usually it
3: happens does. with an Ice Age, but I don't think that's... Implied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, but so I decided just to kind of find out a few really cool Ice Age animals and get a little bit of information ooh. on those. So I got about five animals here. Two of them you guys are going to definitely know.
3: Three Man, of them I'm
1: hoping you won't. Mammoth is one of the Oh, ones yeah. saber you tooth know? Sabertooth. Mammoth? Sabertooth, but what oh, is it called? Those are cool. Oh, oh What are they called? Oh. Sabertooth what? Uh, tigers. Oh, yeah. No. But they're not tigers. Cat. They're like. Sabertooth cat. Ooh. But we'll
3: get into that. All it's right. the last one. Yo, Saber-tooth. mammoths are awesome. Mammoths are gotta awesome. say. Something in the movie
0: Ice
1: it. Age, it's not, it couldn't be sloths, as the other big one. Uh, you'll find out. So, the first animal I want to talk about is called the megaloceros What do you think this animal is? A shark. No, it's a. These are all land mammals.
3: Okay. There's right. no.
1: There's no. Uh, sea mammals.
3: Hold on. Just because I just thought of this because I said shark, but I saw yeah. something that apparently sharks have been around longer than plants on this planet. Huh. Wow. Like
1: these current species of shark are just a well, shark of Yeah. Just really? a
3: species of shark, I guess. But yeah.
1: I would have figured plants popped around the same time we had like bacteria and algae. I figured that would have grown into plants and then.
2: And get this. Sharks still cannot swim backwards.
3: <laughs>
1: what That's a failure! They've been hilarious. on this
2: the oldest species <laughs> cannot figure it out. You
1: can't back. Nerds. Up. That's <laughs> funny. It's probably why we're the uh, prime dominant species. Dominant species. We go backwards, Not sideways, sharks. up, down, left, right, diagonal, in, out. Um, but actually, my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> the megaloceros, is commonly known as the Irish elk.
4: Okay.
1: Oh. Now, it's not actually Irish. There were a few of them kind of like found in Ireland, but they were found all over the world. Um, and it's not an elk. It just looks similar to them. Um, but it's the biggest deer species that has ever lived. The shoulder height of it from the ground to like where the shoulders were, 2.1 meters, which is about 7 feet.
2: Whoa. I would Damn. ride one.
1: Yes. This yeah, is so like, they're those like big things. horses. Almost. They're like, they're like than
3: horses. elephant sized deer. Yeah. This is
1: like the biggest, imagine the biggest deer you've it's like seen. Camel, it
3: deer. <laughs> it's like a camel,
0: a <laughs> camel deer. Think about how man. fast it would be. Oh, So oh, man. if you
1: think that's like big.
3: Cannons in the legs. You know if they had
1: antlers? Oh yes. Oh, they God. had massive antlers. Oh. You want to know how big those things were? Right They're about 3.6 meters, which is about 12 <laughs> feet. Just Whoa. the antlers. Just the antlers. What? 12 feet across. Here to here. Full well, spin. So yeah, each one spins. is like six
2: foot. Each one's about that six. That sounds feet. like that one Pokemon with like, like the an rainbow f- antlers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was yeah. looking at uh,
1: like pictures of it and like the actual picture of the antlers and kind of like, you know, the digital ones that create the best guesses. They almost look like, it's not like they're all super spiked and stuff. They're almost like a huge armored plate that then has some spikes coming off. Like you could use like that thing moose. as a cricket. Yeah. Ball. Like a oh, moose. Oh. Yeah, like a moose. Like it's like massive
3: <laughs> moose. Armors. Yeah, I said moose.
1: <laughs> um, and it's speculated that the size of the antlers were really just used for like mating. And in for instance, the strongest males would have the biggest antlers, so the females would obviously go to those, and they produce no. the strongest offspring. Mm. Um, I didn't quite like it didn't quite tell me how they were seen to be as extinct as the rest of them do, but I'm assuming that it was probably hunted to extinction by humans or killed out a little bit before that. Oh, so this it was, was
2: around. This wasn't like dinosaurs. This was, like Neanderthal. Yeah, this
1: is so, like so, a li- I'm. Be- I, I believe the Megaloceros was like a little bit before Neanderthal. Like they were still okay. around when the Neanderthals were, but they were around before that. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, Megaloceros, or the Irish elk. Okay.
0: Ah, yeah. Okay, so I know that the Irish elk is. Pretty well known for being just massive. Mm-hmm. I would love to see one. Of those like the, the the way. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure like the Munster rugby team, like a team I kind of like. Like their logo is the Irish elk because it's just a symbol of like power, power and
2: mm. heritage and brute Yeah. Force. Because it's so massive. Okay, because meese or mooses are so for amazing. Mo- yeah. Is it meese It's just
3: moose. Moose. It's or plural. Like look at oh. all those mooses. Like for deer. Moose. Yeah. Oh, okay. So
0: that. moose, moose. <laughs> moose are so cool. Me, the, me, yeah, me moose sounds better. M- moose are. Moose. Okay. Yeah, well moose, anyway,
2: but moose are amazing. I yeah. love them. But they're so oh, kind of yeah. slow. But like moose, can you imagine a massive moose that's fast and like yeah, built like yes, a horse elk? That okay. that's like that's a powerful I was finger. just
3: thinking. Imagine if you're driving some night and that thing one runs into the road. That's killing me. It's has got the size step of an elk in your car. I don't think
2: I don't
1: think it'd get hurt. I think the car... It would, would just, just hop
2: right over the car, honestly.
3: Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. Might, you know, sprain an ankle or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maybe give it a little two. bruise. Number oh, yeah.
1: two. All right, so the second animal I've got here is the glyptodon. Glyptodon. Oh. Yes. So this was a large a mammal. It is no, not a, a bird. mammal.
3: You said they're It bird. was
1: 3.3 Land. meters long, which is about 11 feet. Okay. It had a massive shell, similar to an armadillo, but to support the massive shell, it had a, like really short legs, but strong ones, so kind of like... An armadillo. Like an armadillo.
2: <laughs> it's like and a it, massive armadillo.
1: But this thing's shell was like huge, um, <laughs> and it couldn't like hide inside its shell, oh, man. so it had rings of armor on its tail, and a, it literally looked like a little bone Yamaka. On the top of its head, uh, to ram with—that's oh, like just like armor protection, so they can use it to like people block. Yeah. You know, the tail is kind of like the dinosaur
2: that had the, the mace tail. Yeah, yeah Ankylosaurus oh, with that mace tail. Dude,
0: yeah, I think these these little creatures were actually in the movie Ice Age. I think I have a pretty good picture mm-hmm. of what you're talking about. <gasps> yeah, Wait, the, they, they were the, the big me ones? Me
2: too. They, they were those right? cranky they were old, old assholes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they had the kids. Oh my god. god, those uh,
0: were Glyptodons.
2: Hey, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I like having a good visual of them. Yeah, so yeah. those are kind of cool. Those were re- Ice Age time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like old men.
1: And yeah. actually, they became extinct only about 11,000 years ago. Wow. Um, and you want to know how they became extinct? I'm sure you can guess. Ice Age. Was it hunting? No, the humans hunted them to yeah. extinction, and we would use their shells as temporary shelters because they were so large. Whoa. That makes sense. Oh, Which is freaking cool if that's you think about cool. it. The th-
3: Yeah,
0: I mean, You're... that's the thing. is It wasn't like, like hunting out the buffalo in the Midwest. Like that's They were like, ah, oh, we're... We're going to freeze to death. Some or nomadic
3: gonna... tribes. like I'm going to hollow down this We're gonna crazy this storm. Thing. There's a whole flock of Glyptodons over there. Mm-hmm. Let's go yeah. take those shells. It's toys. just like
2: somebody stumbles onto the field and like a bunch of humans just crawl out of the shells yeah. the next morning and he's like, what the hell? It's like little sleeping <laughs> pods. Yeah, little, little portable sleeping bags whenever you need them.
3: That'd be pretty cool to sleep inside a Glyptodon shell. If it
2: could, like, if it could swallow you and spit you out, like, if you didn't have to kill it, if it was, like, yeah. your buddy, and he, he's like, yeah, I'll sleep in He could just, like,
3: make room for you in a shell. like, in <laughs> yeah. no, here, He scoots over, and you oh, squeeze
2: yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Put a little TV in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, yeah, the humans, we finally, like, I think it's crazy to think about, when the humans first popped on the planet, we were useless. What could we do? I mean, we had opposable thumbs, but we didn't have weapons, we couldn't really kill anything. We were at the bottom of the food chain. And then we started to develop weapons. We figured out how to get around these things—armor and shells—and started killing them and getting shelters. Like, I think what made us ultimately this, the prime like predator and what caused us to be so successful is we just adapted and learned faster than any other species. Yeah.
2: yeah. Imagination, creativity.
1: Mm-hmm. What is it? The conscious is like what separates us from other things, but consciousness—that's a whole other—that's yeah. uh, a whole other realm. I don't want to get into right now. <laughs> Uh, so, number three is the Megatherium. Any idea what this one is?
2: This is like a skunk mixed with a snake. You <laughs> said <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: some kind of bird? No. None
2: of them no. are
0: birds.
1: No, Connor, no. you mentioned something about it very early on the show. Ooh. Not, You didn't say exactly what it was, but you said something
2: similar, similar. to a sloth. Oh, a sloth esque.
1: This is the giant ground sloth.
2: Wow. Is this what Sid is?
0: Sloth adjacent. No.
1: Okay. Sid is a little baby bitch. just a sloth. To... Oh. Okay. I'm sorry, Sid. But... Tell us
3: more. <sighs> the bear-sized sloth. I
1: get goosebumps thinking about just bears seeing sloth. this thing. The megatherium is one of the largest land animals that has ever lived. Total length of about 6 meters, which is about 20 feet.
4: Jeez. Wow.
1: They were about the size of an elephant. Whoa. They, while it was alive, the only mammal that was larger than it was the woolly mammoths.
0: Damn. So
1: Whoa. they're not climbing up in trees. So these are sloths that are sloth, they're the <laughs> They're climbing so
2: up mountains. You know what these things so are? are not climbing <laughs> anything. These are these burrowing things from Avatar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen oh! that? The Last Airbender? Yeah. Avatar, no! The Last Airbender. They have those big old sloths with those big old claws and they burrow through the mountains and they can like, earth bend in the show. <laughs> this is real life. Yeah. bending sloth.
0: But, so, Kev, were they like that, like, like, digging through the earth, or were they lazy like a tree sloth?
1: They, uh, from what I've read, and I'm sure we don't have all of what they did, because they died 11,000 years ago, but, um, they did, like, they were ground, they lived on the ground, they lived, like, on the top, they would, they soon, like, hurl. get stuff from trees, they would, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they were, uh they were kind of omnivores but mostly herbivores they probably just
3: bit the fruit right out of the tree oh yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: from all the pictures I would see and like interpretations they were always like stacked up next to a tree looking like they were getting something yeah so they're kind of bear like Mm -hmm. they're similar I think to them
2: they're just like but Twenty feet (sighs) I would friends make friends with, friends with one and sleep on it. It just oh, sounds yeah, so man. warm and comfortable, and like a sloth buddy.
3: <laughs> Can amazing. you
1: imagine just you walking sloth. out of your would house they... and just seeing a twenty-foot giant sloth towering over
3: you? Do we? I mean, we probably don't know much about their behavior. No. Like I if they're docile. That's what I was is gonna that, say. Yeah, man, that would be amazing.
0: Because you've either got like uh, just a just a big twenty-foot like carpet-like character, it just
3: roams around, yeah. doesn't mind you, or you've got a
2: twenty. 20- Foot, oh God! Bare. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But if this thing was vicious, it's still like a super slow. It would swan. be real slow. So yeah. it'd be like, ooh, <laughs> like going and moving one mile an hour. Like just be pr- walking away. From yeah. Them. The prey's like already gone. Like it's yeah. a mile off, and he's like, mm-hmm. damn, I missed. Go back uh, to this tree. Okay? Guess I'll fall asleep. <laughs>
1: If uh, if you remember during Connor's little segment when I, when I made that thing about purging the humans, <laughs> it was pretty much because I realized that we killed every cool species oh, on the planet.
2: There's like, still
3: some cool species. I mean,
1: yeah, but it's we don't good. got giant ground sloths, glyptodons, megalosaurus. We don't have
3: any giant yeah. mammals because we've killed them all. Elephants? Elephants are. Yeah, but.
1: Yeah, but they're like. We tamed them somehow.
3: They're Tool going... Science. I think
2: they're on that... Are they endangered? endangered? Yeah. I Yeah, people it. are poaching. I know. Yeah. Think about if there was, like, as many species that were elephant-sized as there are, like, deer-sized or something. Just, like, there were yeah. that many yeah. massive... Because are there wild elephants anywhere but, like, India?
1: Mm, Africa. Yeah, it's Africa. Africa? But it's just Asian Saraghanes Africa. And
2: so. Yeah. That would be and just so seas. cool. If you could just see herds yeah. of just gigantor mammals just, like, herding
3: around to live in that time. Okay, like in the movie Ice Age when all the animals are walking to go somewhere, wherever it is they're going, I don't remember. Um, But imagine you just, you see herds of all of these animals. Those giant ground slots, the... Mm -hmm. the It's like a dream. The Lyptodons. I know.
2: It'd be like you just stepped into an alternate dimension and you're like, what are these strange beasts?
1: It would be so cool. Other
2: planets... There could be some on other planets. Probably.
1: But, uh, yeah, these actually made it a thousand years later than the glyptodon did and went extinct about 10,000 years ago. Uh, the theory of how they were extinct, like I said, we hunted this magnificent creature to extinction, either for food or because we wanted to kill anything that could probably kill That'd us.
3: That'd be a prize, man. Do we know if they had long fingernails like sloths? Like
1: claws? I would assume so, just because sloths have long fingernails. So It'd be like sloth. calling it a big sloth. Two
3: <laughs> foot long nails.
1: <laughs> you yeah. imagine like even pokes you, it just goes through you to the yeah. other side. Yeah, like, if slowly. he ever
3: did catch up to you, he just pierce you like a kebab. And just. Dude, they're like yeah. they're like so... the tank war
1: machines? They just slowly walk in the one slow <laughs> yeah. paw swipe. You get hit, you die. Yeah, it <laughs> can get like
2: five people in one foul swoop, but it's super slow. And just For some like, reason, I feel like they
1: might have been fast. Like,
2: well, if they're calling them sloths,
1: do you know what makes sloths slow? Why are sloths so slow? Uh, I don't. I don't want to. Is it their
3: diet? Yeah, I don't know. Say we'll about get back to, to you guys about about in the next metabolism about or something. <laughs> or <laughs> not. Yeah. Or not. Uh, <laughs> we'll probably forget. But no, <laughs> honestly, we will. See, I know pandas sleep. Mm. a lot yeah, just and it's because lot. they eat bamboo and it's hardly any nutrients in it so they have to digest a lot so they're just constantly full of food they eat and sleep interesting because <laughs> that's, they, uh, <laughs> that's, that's how is, they need man. to get the nutrients so pandas i'm wondering if sloths are, are kind of like that right? they're
2: yeah, actually kind of a species that needs to go to be honest like they pandas <laughs> they really just sit around and they take up they're adorable they eat a lot and they don't really benefit anything except for people who like to see it's them because so they eat,
3: like, 60 pounds of bamboo a day. Yeah.
2: Honestly, I wouldn't mind they if they just went crazy.
3: extinct.
1: No, I'm, but but I love miss the panda so videos. Like, when a panda sneezes, yeah, a baby falls.
3: The baby. And it goes, Whoa Have you seen the one where the baby panda's trying to crawl out of the crib? <laughs> yeah. And he gets so close. And right before he's about to swing down the other side, the... Of nurse or whatever comes back in pops him back down and it's, just, <laughs> it's so heartbreaking God, yeah, that I mean, he heartbreaking. was was that just that would break my heart on the cusp of freedom
1: so we're moving on to the fourth animal I'm sure you guys will guess the woolly mammoth okay so it's one of the most studied and well known creatures from the prehistoric times the woolly mammoth was easy to study because of how many skeletons and frozen corpses were discovered as well as things such as stomach contents and cave paintings um which gave us just more into, like, kind of their behavior back then. Um, Fragments of their DNA were found in 2015, and it was confirmed that the Asian elephant is the closest living relative to the woolly mammoth. Nice. So I thought that was pretty cool. And they've
2: tried to bring back the woolly mammoth in, like, multiple different ways a lot of times. And I think, like, a lot of them have gotten some traction, but none of them have been, like, truly successful.
3: What do you mean, bring it back?
2: Well, since they have the DNA... There's like, a, there's, like, a lot of different strats, but they'll try and combine it with, in, like, elephant DNA and create just something. Yeah. It's almost like a clone, but it's, like, just using their DNA and then elephant DNA to fill in the rest. Like, all at Jurassic Park. Yeah. And then bring it back. And then there was another one where they were just, like, I think they had a frozen one before, and they thought maybe they if they could just unfreeze it the right way or something, it would Have come out. Have we
3: found a frozen mammoth? Yeah. Yeah Like it's Preserved
2: I think so Man. Or mostly but, And they were just so... like Well Let's melt the ice And it'll walk right out And then, then it just kind of Fell over Disintegrated immediately <laughs> <laughs>
3: So But they've tried Oh And it Deteriorated Really when fast When it got exposed to air I'm pretty sure That's it what happened take long Yeah so That never... would also be Really cool to see Something yeah. that's been Dead for that long See how fast It would just fall Decompose. apart, just sprinkle oh, into man. dust. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, males could reach a shoulder height of 3.4 meters, which is a little over 11 feet. Um, and the woolly mammoth, surprisingly, was actually smaller than most mammoths. Uh, for instance, the Colombian mammoth grew to about a shoulder height of 4 meters, which is about 13 feet. Um, oh. So the woolly mammoth, as much as we think it was just this massive animal walking around, there were bigger mammoth... Uh, species around at the time.
3: Were they Uh. not woolly? (laughs) So,
1: the thing about the woolly mammoth um, is it had a lot of adaptations for living in cold environments. So that's that's why it's associated with the Ice Age. Because other mammoths, I mean, they lived in other parts of the world where it wasn't covered in ice because...
0: So it's very much elephant-like. I mean, obviously they're descendants, but it's like they were cold and so they grew hair and the ones that lived in warmer climates just didn't.
2: Yeah, it's an elephant with a fur coat. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just a little, little coat. Um,
1: But yeah, so they had a lot of adaptations for living in cold environments. Um, Many of these were like a layer of fat that was about 10 centimeters thick. Um, They also had small ears and tails to reduce loss of heat and a coating of just heavy fur to keep them insulated as well.
3: 10 centimeter thick fat?
2: Yeah. That's
3: That's not that bad. 10
2: centimeters? That's a few inches. Centimeters like your. are Your tip of your finger to that very first knuckle. Yeah. What? 10 centimeters? Yeah. Oh, no, that's. That's, that's, No. I'd say maybe your At
3: least five inches. What? (laughs) No, no. no. A centimeter is falling, you guys. A (laughs) centimeter. I thought you meant the finger. An inch is like 2.2 centimeters. Yeah. So that'd be about five five inches. Yeah, three, four inches. That is a lot more. That is a lot less than five inches. There's two inches.
0: It's about three, four inches. That's a lot of that, fat. That's that no was pretty more massive than in
2: five inches. What you did right there. I don't know. There. Five inches is even half a ruler, man. That's not that much fat. That's for living I, in, for living in the Antarctic. You think mean, they that's have thicker. more?
3: Okay, he has more fat than the width of my arm. That's what I'm
2: saying. I'd want ten inches of fat if I was living in the Antarctic. I that's all got, I'm saying.
1: I think we've got people uh, in this world that have more than ten inches of fat. I'm sure we can plop know. them out in Antarctica. Maybe. <laughs> <They'd> <laughs>
2: If they grew oh, a lot of fur all over their body. Yeah. <laughs> and then got small ears.
1: <laughs> and a tail. <laughs> um, but a study in 2011 concluded that there were also uh, different colors of fur coats. Lighter yeah. coats were rarer than darker coats. Um, and I'm curious, why do you guys think that was?
3: I mean... Lighter Ooh, coats were uh, rare. Uh, uh, because yeah. darker coats kept in heat from the sun. During. I feel like it's a trivia. Kind Honestly,
1: of thing. I, I didn't know the answer. I was just curious. That's, That's what I read. Oh, well, I like, know. So it's probably like dogs
3: recessive. or cats. It's
1: just
2: like, yeah,
3: it's literally
1: yeah, it just be. hair. It,
2: it just, might just be like, yeah, recessive versus dominant traits, just like gingers.
3: But darker colors do... Do absorb um, more they sun. They absorb, yeah, yeah. absorb more heat.
2: You're right. Maybe it could also have to do with like what poles they were located on. Or like... areas. yeah south. Yeah. Um...
1: And it was assumed that they were driven to extinctions by humans hunting them and climate change. Uh, The many populations of woolly mammoths went extinct slowly over time. And the last population went extinct about 4,000 years ago. Um, And it was on, if you guys don't know, have you heard of Wrangell Island?
2: Nope.
1: So they were... Like the last known ones were on Wrangel Island in the Arctic Ocean. It's uh, it's over by Russia. It's I'm pretty sure Russia owns the island. But I looked it up when I was online, and there's so many cute animals that are living there still. Like there's like cute little wolves and foxes, and they're just, like, it's got a whole ecosystem.
2: They're not found anywhere else in the world. Uh, I mean,
1: the now like all those species probably are, but
2: in zoos or something.
1: Um, yeah, but there's a, I mean, there's no unique species on the uh, on the island. It's just cool that it has its own. Yeah. Ecosystem of things on just a random island in the middle of the Arctic Ocean, uh, but yeah, that's all we got for the woolly mammoth. So to kick it off last, we've got the saber-toothed cat, um, and the saber-toothed cat is actually called a Smilodon, which is how I'm gonna Smilodon. A smilodon. Oh, I like that. I'm gonna refer it to its teeth, it, to
3: <laughs> <a> fearsome <laughs> smile. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: And like we talked about, saber tiger is not the correct name for it. It's actually a saber tooth cat because it's not related to tigers at all. I mean, other than mm. them being in the same cat family.
3: Feline or whatever.
1: A cat. Um, <laughs> it actually had, uh, it lived in the Americas, so in North and South America, and the largest species had about 120 centimeter shoulder height, which is about four feet. Okay. Um, it's thought that it's probably one of the biggest cats that has ever lived. Hundreds of fossils of this c- creature have been discovered in the LaBrie Atar Pits of Los Angeles. Which... Whoa. We were in L.A. Uh, wow. two spring breaks ago, and I wish we would have known or, like, gone to it. But tar I did know it was a thing. Yeah. The LaBrie Atar Pits. Um, and they were preserved in them because when, uh, when the predators were attracted to the pits by trapped animals, they then themselves would be trapped, which would in turn attract more and more cats and other predators. So... <sighs> These tar pits are one of the greatest places to find, like, preserved fossils. It's like and, an Earth-made sticky um, trap. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so it's of like a Venus flytrap, almost, where it just sits there and waits for you to land inside, yeah. and then you just... You hey, know.
2: there's an easy loot, and then, then oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
1: <laughs> um, but the Smilodon could open its mouth at an incredible 120 degrees. Whoa. So just for reference for you guys, a lion... Can only open its mouth 60 degrees.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, 180 degrees is a flat line. So that's almost like he's completely. You're two thirds. Un-
1: that's two thirds of the way across the. Climate. Yeah. It's like a python. Like a wow. Just the jaw. So, uh. That's crazy. Yeah, we think the, uh scientists think that it was probably the case. Um, so that it could bite into prey. Yeah, I was going to say, extremely long if your
2: teeth, teeth are that long, you really need to be able to get them up over the prey first and then clamp <laughs> down. So I was like, he's got to be able to open wide.
1: So they think that was a, uh, evolutionary change, uh, that I'm pretty sure it's jaw muscle probably just got like looser and looser and more. Like a
3: snake. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a snake yeah.
1: almost. It's the cat snake. Um...
3: You were right about the, the skunk and the snake. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty close. the oh. <laughs> snake.
1: Uh, the big canines were actually pretty fragile and could break uh, actually pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so
3: They're massive ones?
1: Yeah, they're massive ones. They weren't that strong. And so in like turn with that, the Smilodon also had uh, a weak bite compared to other cats. Huh. which is thought to be the case because it would reduce the amount of force put on the massive canines and reduce the chance of them breaking. Uh, so I thought that was super cool because I never knew that at all. I it figured they were just like the most powerful weapons on the yeah. planet.
2: Yeah, it seems like almost more of a weakness.
1: Yeah, like, I feel like if you get like could grab that and like give it a good yank, that cat would go Ooh. run. Yeah. Or still tear your face off. <laughs> yeah, I, I still wouldn't try it. <laughs> I don't think so either because it's still got paws with claws that it's going to mess you yeah. up with. But, uh... Um. Yeah, so evidence suggests that the Smilodon hunted in packs So they would probably work together to take down large prey such as bison and camels I can only imagine one of those things sinking its teeth into a camel I think um, the water would squirt out Oh gosh
2: Well, here's a fun fact for you Camels don't actually store water in their humps Camels oh. store fat oh. Yep That's so weird Because by doing fat when you convert fat to energy or something, it releases a lot of, a lot of water. Mm. So their humps are just full of fat. Hey, There you go. Learning fat something
0: humps. new from shiver.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the saber-toothed cat went extinct about 10,000 years ago. And it's possibly due to the extinction that large mammals had that it preyed on were going extinct around the time. Um, and since it like, they would specialized in taking down large prey in packs, they couldn't adapt to the smaller prey that was left, um, and that caused, would cause it to die. But also, climate change had an effect, humans hunting them had an effect, um, and just a combination of it all ultimately led to uh, the species' demise. Yeah. So, I got the shivers mm-hmm. going down my spine when mm. I realized that we slaughtered all those beautiful animals. Horror. But yeah. You know, we're here today, we're doing the chat still
2: okay we're here for hopefully not much longer hopefully our planet outlives us you know i I hope we're the next species Mm -hmm. they say i read this book the sixth extinction or something and it was like we've had five major extinctions and the next one they're making an argument is like on its way and we're like in the very beginning phases but time uh uh-huh and i hope it's us yeah for the good of the planet
3: for the good of the
1: planet well, uh that wraps it up for me. So, uh, Trenton, how about you tell us what you got today?
2: All right. Well, staying with the cold theme, I didn't get it but didn't get very creative with my connection this time. I don't know if you guys have sorta of picked it up, but my connections are always a pretty long stretch. They're obscure, you know? yeah. I like to get out there, I but like to take it on the wing. In a good way. But this uh I simply went with the man who's probably shivered more. Than any other person. Oh, I know who you're talking about. It's, uh... Nope. It <laughs> Leonardo Di- uh, no. Not Frosty Leonardo Snowman. DiCaprio
1: and, uh... When he was sinking in the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh,
2: close second. But this guy, I think, still has him. Oh, uh, what else is he known for? You. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am known for being very cold. I say... I tell people I have bird bones. Hollow bird oh. bones. Because when birds get cold... When birds get wet, they just... Freeze. they can't fly yeah they're super cold their body heat goes down and that's what happens so what to me so what else
1: was this person known for
2: he was known for shivering and walking while he shivered was he Russian no he was American
1: what let me tell you about it. yeah him. go ahead alright let's hear about this man
2: so I write about this in the New Yorker article by David Gran so November 13th 2015 this is pretty recent okay Henry Worsley hmm get to know that name he's our hero Worsley Henry Worsley Worsley?
3: Can you have a Worsley name?
1: (laughs) You think people made fun of each other's last names back Wait, Alan This is 2015 Way back then Yeah, I don't know
2: So this guy's 55 years old He sets out to achieve what his personal hero Ernest Shackleton had failed to do a century earlier Trek on foot from one side of Antarctica to the other, across the entire continent. That's awesome. Damn. <laughs> that's nuts, man. <laughs>
3: Wait, but so from he, like literally how did he coast he to coast? Nowhere to go. He had a GPS. No. Oh. Uh huh. Okay. Wait, they get
2: GPS
1: signal at
3: that? Yeah.
2: Well, not the Ernest Shackleton. Yeah.
3: See, he probably tried a compass, but you know, the wouldn't the get... compass
2: be telling you north when you?
3: Well, they get, get super whack up at the poles. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was saying. How did this guy know where he was going? Well, yeah, a GPS would work. Son, but poor our boy Shackleton. Henry, yeah, he had a
2: GPS. Shackleton was kind of a, a He was
3: ahead of his time. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so, Worsley was a retired British Army officer who had served in a renowned commando unit. So, this guy's not just going out there inexperienced. Worsley also sculpted, boxed, did photography, hmm. had a large interest in practiced horticulture.
1: What is
3: that? Plant. Plants. Yeah, Botany, mm-hmm. Almost.
2: And he collected rare books cultivation of plants Yeah Yeah, so he cultivated the plants And he cultivated his mind By collecting rare books Rare maps And rare fossils What is that? Cartol? Is
3: that maps? Cartography Cartography Mm -hmm. Did, uh uh, Was he wealthy?
2: (laughs) Uh, kind of I mean, he was in the army So he probably had a pension going on but uh, he was also an amateur historian, and he especially liked to look into the history of people making polar expeditions, huh. such as his hero
3: Ernest Shackleton. Okay, did Ernest not succeed, or did he die? Well, do we know? He like, didn't did, he just, he, did, did he just Ernest? Did he like out. not make it and then come back and just be like ah oh, didn't work out, or did he die?
2: Yeah, no, Ernest just failed. He didn't. Okay, die. all right, okay. So. Henry actually found out that he had an ancient relative that was on Ernest Shackleton's very same expedition. So that was pretty cool, because this guy was already into it. So the journey is over a 1,000 miles. So to put that in perspective, Kansas, we keep on referencing, 400 miles wide, like or long, I guess, just long ways, because it's a rectangle. So that's two Kansases. Two and and a half. half. Yeah, two and a half Kansases. He planned to travel directly through the South Pole and through what is arguably the most brutal climate in the world. Where Henry departs from his hero's quest, though, is where Shackleton had an entire expedition when he did this. Henry decided he was doing it completely alone. (laughs) You dumb bastard. (laughs) This guy's whack. Wait, so.
3: He didn't. No dogs, no spoilers, but I'm saying right now he didn't make it. No. I, don't, I don't
1: know. <laughs> a man can do a lot of I things. I don't think he made it. But I'm curious, so you said the climate was, like, super, uh, it's, like, the harshest climate in the world. Do you have, like, climate conditions or what made it harsh?
2: Well, a lot of times you can't even see because it's just pure white hell. <laughs> so you have no idea where you're going. There's no animals. There's no plants. There's no, like running water you're kind of just taking your genius and in waist high is it brighter snow? okay imagine this imagine you know in Spongebob when Squidward goes into the alone dimension and he's in that pure white dimension <laughs> oh, and man. there's just nothing as far as the eye can see in any yeah. direction and it's just pure solitary with no food except for what you have on your body that is what this man is hiking through is he, for uh... 1000 miles and he's very cold on foot alone <laughs> and he's shivering is the <laughs> sky blue or is
1: there usually like.? Clouds?
2: Yeah, okay, sky's still blue. Sky's still blue. <laughs> Same still planet, yeah. Sky, sky will always be cool. <laughs> ah, blue. Well, waters, do, what, does it get cloudy down at the poles? Do they have weather down there? I'm uh, sure they have weather. I'm sure there's clouds. It's getting hot down there. <laughs> there are storms. He hikes through several of them.
1: You'll
2: okay. see. I'm glad to hear. So, this guy decides to go completely alone. No food caches. Like, So, he didn't go in before and plan this out and stash food. No clean water. So, the and food supply he had
0: is what he started what he brought. his journey with.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. And what he started his journey with is a 325 pound sled. That's it? Yes. For a thousand miles. More this than twice like his
3: weight. Andre and his balloon expedition all over <laughs> the area. Oh, man. Just <laughs> heading out, getting wild. I feel like you. Hopefully, his sleigh works better. I remember Andre's were pieces of crap. Or, no, the sleigh. Did the sleighs work? Yeah, they were the only thing that worked. Everything that was designed a- by him yeah, fell apart. Exactly, yeah.
1: yeah. Trenton I'm curious, you all you, well, you, you do a lot know about a lot about travel and stuff. Do you think that's a that's enough stuff? Do you think he oh, should have taken more?
2: Dude, honestly I think he should have taken less. That's really? so heavy. That is like weight is much bigger and I think if he would have gone less like food since he had no food caches and stuff, that was one thing. But everything he could spare Like, he brought, for instance, a glass bottle of whiskey. And why that is definitely essential, pour that into a Ziploc bag or something. Just, like, a glass container takes up a lot of room, because it's shaved, and it's heavy. But I wouldn't trust a a Ziploc bag. Or something, dude. If you have to take that, like, you need to cut everywhere you can. Every pound matters, and 325 is too much.
3: And that's including, like, 10 And through that kind of terrain. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because
2: he had to walk in skis the whole time, and he had double poles in each hand, so, like, he had no free hands. Did he have a pack? No, it was... He had it tied around his waist, and it was on a sled, his big pack.
1: Bro, this guy is just going, like, bare-bones man mode trying to get through
2: Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I'm telling you... I'm sure he knew what he was doing, and he, like, really did only pack the essentials, but, like, I would go way harder to get that weight way less. Hmm. So this is a feat nobody had even attempted before to do this alone. So, like I said, as he walked, he had the sled around his waist, and that's pretty common to do. Like, a lot of people do that. And all over his skis, uh, his family had painted encouraging messages for him to look at all day. Aww, uh, Cause think cute. about it, if you're just yeah. walking through Antarctica, like that would get so boring. Yeah. If you're just walking along, like nothing, nothing but white, pure white all around you. So I would, I would love that. I
0: think uh-huh. you might have mentioned this. How long did it take him?
2: Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> it's a journey. It's a thousand miles. So as you can imagine, maybe like two months ish on foot. Dang. That would be the full thing. So. Another thing about walking in the Antarctic alone that's very, very dangerous is there's massive chasms in the ice Ooh. all over that just get covered in snow or sheets of ice that you can't see, and you can fall in very easily, and with nobody else around to pull you out, it's really, really dangerous, and that was one of the biggest things he had to watch out How for. How big are these
1: chasms? Like, where do they where do they come from? It's Bodies,
2: just... Cracks in the ice? Well, maybe no, I just I think, no think of, like,
0: just a, uh, just a big valley but then just a thin layer of ice froze over it
1: fuck dude that would be can you imagine just walking around you're just about to get to the other end you take one step straight through the ice you you hear a little crack
2: (sighs) you hear a little crack and you you just look up and you just freeze and you're like oh god (laughs) here we go so he was constantly scanning um, the snowy terrain and he's done this before like he definitely was prepared he wasn't dumb about this he's done many polar expeditions like he's he's been around the block so he's used to doing this like scanning he knows what to look for while he walked his eyelids would ice over his beard was constant chandelier of icicles and the moisture from every breath immediately froze to his face temperatures were around negative 40 oh, oh fucking god wait
1: Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit? Yep. Okay, yeah. I was about
2: to say Celsius. Negative <laughs> 40 Fahrenheit, and there was wind chill. Constantly. Do
1: you know what the wind speeds were?
2: Or? No, I didn't get it down, but they were... Because it's like, there's well, just not bare. a lot to block it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is
0: we went to like a national park or two with just big open spaces. and Constant. There's, and there's wind just... It basically yeah. just glides along the rocks. So if Same kind of thing. If it's just open snow, it's probably just... How wind, do you
1: pitch a tent? How do you get out of it? You man up? bro. I can't man up for two months with that kind of cold hell. Well, you're I'd not
2: Henley rather... Worsley, boy. Oh. So, um, and like we uh, were talking about, it's classified as a desert. Yes. So the winds mm-hmm. are just insane. There were no living animals in sight. Ever. So he couldn't hunt. Yep. He had what he brought, dried, packed food. Occasionally, there would be entire days of complete whiteout. No landmarks or visibility to track any path. Even he would occasionally turn the wrong direction and walk hours in the wrong way before he realized where he was even going because you just have no idea.
1: You could literally be walking in circles in the middle of Antarctica and not know it.
2: Yeah, and that's what he did for a while. Like, this would terrify me. I couldn't I couldn't do this. Like, I couldn't even last maybe an hour. I would probably just keel over if, I'd panic. of the cold. Yeah, I was going to
3: say, you wouldn't <laughs> handle the cold.
2: He said some days he would walk for nine hours at a time doing nothing but hunching over a compass and watching his skis shuffle in pure whiteout. So his entire world was a compass. Nine and two skis.
1: hours, dude. Ugh.
2: And he would go for longer. Like in days that weren't whiteouts, he would go for 12 sometimes and even longer. It was insane. So every evening, Worsley would relay a short audio broadcast to his friend in England with a satellite phone. And this friend would then post the broadcast onto Worsley's website, and he would type it out, too. So he was, like, mad updating everybody, even Mm. out there. And he could do that every day? He could make a call? Mm Mm-hmm. And people got super invested. Like, worldwide, people were into this journey, and school kids were, like, writing him all the time. And even, like, Prince William was, like, commenting on it. He was like, this man's a hero. I have an exact quote somewhere in here. But, like, he said aspiring explorers would constantly ask him questions, and he made a special point to answer these almost every night. He would always try and respond to people.
1: Did he pitch a tent or sleep or anything, or what would he do at
2: night? When oh, it's... yeah, he pitched a tent. He definitely had to sleep. It was too like,
1: if you, How can you put up a tent when the wind's just...
2: I mean, I myself couldn't tell you, but obviously he <laughs> did.
1: <laughs> oh, we have a tiny, uh, he
2: probably uh, just had a really hard time of it, but he's a champion.
1: Gotta get those, uh, whatever those big shells were on one of the things in my speech. <laughs> An extinct <laughs> animal. An extinct animal shell. Just
2: so some of the away. questions included if he saw any wildlife. No. They said, what's his least favorite time of the day? And he said, getting out of that tent very early, like the first <laughs> thing in the morning. Opened it up to the cold. And they yes. said, what's his favorite time of the day? Walking into that tent. <laughs> so, like, he wasn't having... Like, he wasn't out there for the hike. He was out there for the goal. Like, he wasn't having a good time. He was, like, gritting his teeth. He wanted to do this, like, a personal quest.
1: Yeah. He's got the trials.
2: It's his trial, yeah. And they also ask him what actors that should pr- portray him in a movie made about his life. And he said for his young life, he wants Matt Damon... And for old, when he's an old man, he wants Anthony Hopkins. Who's Anthony Hopkins? Um, Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that Hannibal dude. Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And they even asked him how he went to the bathroom. And he said, never against the wind for number one, always <laughs> against the wind for number two. And he said, drop your pants as fast as you can and get it over with because you will freeze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn. Wait,
1: he said, you face the wind for number two? Yeah. Man, can you imagine, though, like, he's probably not having a good diet. he a little case of the squirts. Oh. <laughs> you poop him in, you just
2: oh, get Oh, that'd sprayed. be dangerous, though. Oh, man. gosh. He, he dehyd-
1: can't do laundry. He's dehydrated. just going to have to walk in poopy clothes the rest of the trip. Poopy day. clothes. Uh, no, that's when you just,
2: you ditch him. <laughs> you go naked. <laughs> you ditch him when you, you wear something else, man. You're wearing, you don't have anything You cut apart your <laughs> tent. <laughs> I'm trying to know, I, I don't know if you have or not.
0: Do you have, like, his equipment? Not his equipment, like his, uh... Wardrobe, I guess.
2: No, I mean it's just pretty standard. I just, mean, snow, Yeah, just think about the biggest, puffiest coats you can. I just, I did see one picture of him, and this is like the most badass picture. I almost brought it for you guys, but I couldn't figure out how to exactly copy the link, and I was like, okay. But like, he's this dude, and he's wearing this scarf, and he kind of looks like a fighter pilot because he's got these goggles on, as you can imagine. Yeah. And he's wearing a beanie, and he's got a cigar and he has got one of his front teeth missing and he's out there just doing like the <laughs> biggest grin you've ever seen and he's just in the arctic and it said so, like Who it's took the picture he did it was like a selfie
3: uh <laughs> was this like during the expedition yeah this oh, is on his he expedition. Was smoking, he brought cigars with him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome yeah he brought cigars i bet that was a nice time of the day oh yeah you going to get sit down that- so I the solo. Keep walking and enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, it's Antarctica. Stroller.
1: He could bring some special cigars. To
2: be honest. Yeah, you gotta find the simple things. Yeah. yeah. To enjoy. The solo nature of the trip made everything doubly more exhausting. Every camp duty, such as setting up and taking down the tent, was up to him alone. And the difficult terrains had to be exhaustingly overcome by, like, I read about this one time he encountered this really steep hill that he couldn't get up with his sled. So he had to take everything out of his sled and he said, carry it up like 30 pound loads at a time and go up and down and up and down and up and down until he finally got his entire load up. And he started with 325 pounds. So that's like, by that point, maybe he had eaten 50 pounds. Yeah. I mean, at most that would be 11 loads. Yeah. Yeah. That would
3: suck.
2: Yeah. So this guys he's a champion. Yeah. He was always optimistic.
3: I was wrong. He made it, didn't
2: he? The broadcasts were always optimistic. Every single time. But on the inside, he was growing more and more exhausted. His diary entries became more and more flooded with suffering as the days went on. Phrases like, hard day. A very difficult day. A brutal day. Awful day. Floundering around in a complete whiteout. Another awful day, even worse than yesterday. Swimming against a strong tide totally spent and demoralized. Mm -hmm. All of these things started to pop out constantly in his diary. He didn't. On (laughs) December 1st, so he's been going for a strong, I think a little over a month now, he marched into what he described as the mother of all storms. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Among.
1: Can you imagine walking the Antarctic, already beaten and demoralized, and you just see a storm, <laughs> unlike anything you've ever seen in your entire life, coming straight at you, and you say, "Fuck, I got a deal." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
2: know in your mind that you have to keep going because you only brought enough food for a certain trip, and he's just like, "Well,"
1: uh, and if you you can't set up your tent because your tent's not gonna make it. Oh yeah. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta man up. <laughs>
2: So he was trudging uphill and he said he constantly had his head bowed because there was like a full shower of ice pellets that would just smack him in the face <laughs> at all times if he ever picked up his head. No. And he said he moved at less than a mile per hour. After many hours, he paused and he wrote in his diary. He sat huddled on his sled with his down jacket on and he didn't know if he should go or just stop right then and give up. He later recalled that it was so windy, he couldn't possibly have set up his tent, so he just kept on walking.
3: Oh my god. (laughs) He just kept
2: on going. What other choice do you have? The very next day, he blindly skied over a ridge that he didn't know was there. Once his front was over, the sled that was behind him overtook him and pulled him down even faster.
1: (laughs) So this guy is pulling the sled, it fl- ends up going in front of him, and he's basically holding on to the sled and just getting No,
2: it. I'm guessing it hits him in the back. And is pushing him? And almost. cannonballs him forward down the hill even more, because this thing weighs more than he does. Yeah. So if it's on a rope behind him, once he tips over, it's like, you know how the back of the roller coaster goes even faster than oh. the front? Oh, yeah. It's just going, bam, It hits him in the back, and then he just cannonballs down this hill. Was he still on his feet, though? No. His head, back, and legs all slammed against the ice at the same time. The sled flipped over twice and dragged him about 20 yards. He said he laid splattered on the ice, cursing (laughs) for a good deal of time, (laughs) and then got to his feet, checked to make sure his fuel canisters were good, and set off again. (laughs) Oh, man. Wait, was
1: everything still on the sled? It didn't go get shot everywhere?
2: I mean, I'm guessing he did, but nothing that was important. It said one crack of the fuel canisters, and he would definitely be doomed. But he said everything else. That's mm-hmm. the really the only thing that mattered. Of checking everything else, I guess he just packed away. And they zip them up. The, the fuel canisters. What are
1: they for?
2: Yeah, I think so. Heat and cooking, or something. Mm. So, incredibly, despite every obstacle, he was on track to reach the South Pole around New Year's Day. Which is exactly what he planned for. Nothing seemed to stop this guy. Even when he writes in his diary this one day, I just can't possibly go any further. I don't have it in me. He keeps on track of <laughs> He just <laughs> goes further. He just goes further. Here he finds himself. On Christmas Day, this is what I was talking about, when Prince William gets involved, he broadcasted a message saying, we're all thinking of you at the Christmas period as you're lugging all your kit up and down the slopes and the hills of the southern Mm. Atlantic in the Antarctic. So everybody's involved with this guy. Despite the holiday, he marched 12 miles.
1: Hell yeah, man.
2: (laughs) As he lay in his tent that night, he lit up a cigar. He let the sweet smoke fill the air, and he ate some Christmas treats that his wife and children had packed for him.
1: Mm. He's got a wife and kids. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: He's a family man, dude. That's why he's not giving up. Yeah. He, he's got a little boy. He's 21. <laughs> and his wife, Joanna. Joanna and Max. It's the cutest. He said it was like a little heaven. And I'm guessing he sat there reading his skis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he cracked a little tear.
3: He probably stabbed him into the snow at night with the with the sayings up front. So he yeah, he turned a back, flashlight to out. him.
2: Yep. So he could listen whenever he woke up at night and read them. Yeah. By the middle of January, he was around 60 days in. He had traveled more than 800 miles, and virtually every part of him was in agony. He said every single muscle ached, his feet were covered in blisters, every one of his toenails were now purple, and his fingers were starting to become frostbit. In his diary, he wrote, I am worried about my fingers. One tip of the little finger already gone, and the others are very sore.
0: (laughs) So he lost part of a finger.
2: Well, to fry. Oh yeah, so I mean yeah, yeah. Eh, yeah. just a pinky. <laughs> <laughs> Those are expendable. One of his front tooth broke off. Like I said. Because he bit a power a protein bar that was frozen.
4: Oh <laughs>
2: man. So his front tooth was out. And so like in this picture when he's smoking his cigar, it's when he doesn't have a front tooth. so he just looks so fucking funny. Damn. He lost more than forty pounds and he was on the verge of collapse. Damn. Henry estimated it would only take him about three more weeks to complete the rest of the journey. But he soon came to Titan Dome. Oh, Lord. This was an incline for many days until he could reach the summit, and at this point in the trip when he was so utterly exhausted, it was his ultimate obstacle. He constantly prayed for the top, and he wrote that he desperately longed for air thick enough to breathe again. He, con- he said he muttered to himself over and over a line from Ulysses by Tennyson. To strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. He was just muttering that over and over again as he climbed this hill. And on January 17th, he entered another whiteout no. while still on the dome.
3: Oh,
1: God.
2: He trudged through the whiteout uphill for 16 hours.
1: 16, and he's blistered covered feet Frostbitten fingers already beaten Like so utterly Saying he's gonna collapse And he's still 16 hours just straight
2: Yeah man He's having a hard time But he finally, decide, he finally decides to call it He plants the tent Does everything, makes his food He melts some snow for water He says it's now 1 o'clock in the morning And is broadcast In sum, it's been a punishing day What little energy I have left, voice fades out. Joanna, his wife, panicked upon hearing this broadcast. She called many of Henry's close friends and asked if somebody from the ALE, which was this association that he was like partnership with, should dispatch a rescue plane. They said that they all thought Worsley would be okay given his experience and abilities, and that he should be able to make a call on the satellite phone in his worst-case scenario. He constantly spoke at the phone how it had a, a single emergency button that would call rescue. So he said if he does have a problem, he can hit the button and get some support very, very quickly. The broadcast came through the next night. He was exhausted, but he was fine. He just oh, faded man. out. Uh, he wasn't dead. He continued to trudge. Dude, he just, like, fell asleep. While he, was Dude, he probably here. just
1: passed out. He's got oh, yeah. nothing
2: left. He just puts all of his energy, like he finally oh, gets man. his tent up. I down. thought he died. Yeah, I mean, think about if you're his wife man. and you just hear that.
3: Oh, I'd be horrified, yeah.
2: man. But he's fighting on. January nineteenth, after man hauling through another storm, Henry was too tired to give a broadcast, and with his frozen hand. He scribbled only a few words in his diary that were almost nearly illegible. Very desperate, slipping away, stomach, took (laughs) painkillers. He was incontinent and repeatedly had to venture outside to squat in the freezing cold. His body seemed to be eating itself from the inside out. Was he out of food? He wasn't out of food, he's just incontinent. And he, all he wants to do is sleep and stay in his warm tent, and he constantly has to go out in the cold and deal with this issue. On the 69th day of his journey, the very next day, he only managed to drag his sled for a few hours before he had to pitch tent and collapse inside. At one point, he called his son, Max, on the phone and just kept on repeating, I just want to hear your voice. I just want to hear your voice. Mm that become scary? Yeah. And you said
1: Max was
2: 21 at this time? Yeah. Max told him, you will always be a polar warrior in my eyes. You just need to pull out and come home. Like, oh my God, that would scare the crap out of me. Yeah. If I knew my dad was doing that and then he hit me with that phone call.
3: I'd tell him to come home too. I'd man. be
2: like, please, for the love of God, you have to just come home. Worsley had written in his diary that day, I just want it all to end. I miss everyone so badly. But the GPS informed him that he had finally passed the apex of the Titan Dome and he was on the downhill. (laughs) Legendary. (laughs) He started to descend and history was within his grasp. In his diary, all he wrote was never ever give in. He's going to hit Titan Dome 2.0. On January 22nd, two days later, Worsley took out his satellite phone and unexpectedly pressed the emergency button.
4: <gasps>
2: the only thing he wrote in his diary that day. My journey is at an end. I have run out of time and physical endurance and a simple sheer inability to slide one ski in front of the other. My summit is just out of reach. I'll lick my wounds, I'll heal over time, and I'll come to terms with the disappointment.
3: That's what he wrote? Damn. And they got him. Hey, but he was alive? He was alive. So, okay. yeah, what
0: was the what was the escape plan? Like, how far away were these people? Because
2: you said he was alone, so they're not, like, following him, like, there, a camera crew or something. Yeah, there's, like, set up bases on the coasts. Okay. Each coast. And so that's why, like, he left from... He didn't just, like, arrive to a nowhere land and just start mm-hmm. hiking off the plane. Like, he arrived to a building. It's, like, set up. Because there's colonization and stuff. So when he was going to finish, he was going to finish like at a building with like nice lavish like amenities to recover and stuff and like enjoys win. It wasn't like he was immediately just gonna aboard a helicopter and fly home. So they were right there waiting for him on the coasts. They said he proudly walked on his very own to the helicopter. However he needed a lot of help descending the stairs or er, ascending the stairs and climbing into the cabin. He knew in his heart that he had made the right decision. He said All the company reported that he was talking happily on the entire way home, and he was speaking of the future as upcoming lecture. That that evening, he called his wife and said, Joanna, I'm having a cup of tea. I'm going to be fine. He said, I love you so much. And they said, darling, I love you too. And he promised to call her the next morning. Around two in the afternoon the next morning, Joanna's phone rang, but it wasn't Henry. It was the expedition's manager, and explained that doctors had discovered that Henry was suffering from a bacterial peritonitis, an infection of the thin tissue that lines the inner wall of the abdomen. Mm -hmm. So that's the stomach pain he felt, that he thought. Yeah. So there was a lot more going on than he thought. Wait, what was
1: was it? What did it do?
2: It was a bacterial peritonitis, so it infected, like, the inner walls of his abdomen, and so... It, since he just went untreated because he thought it was just, like, hiking pains
4: mm-hmm.
2: and just, like, an incontinence, and he was like, well, I'll just hike through it. He just, it just got so worse over time. But can you imagine how badass this guy is? Like He's like, oh, it's just some stomach issues. I'll take some painkillers. And he's got, like, a major abdomen infection going on. As soon as the, he was at the hospital, his liver failed and then followed his kidney. And he died. Man. Oh, no. oh. damn it. <clears throat> Poor guy. So he let it get that bad. Like if he would have been hiking, like that was just the point he took it to. He didn't care. He was like hiking through so much pain that even after he was in a hospital, it was already too late. Like he was enduring so much. He already died
1: before he finished.
2: Yeah. A massive funeral memorial was held for him and many people including famous people and Prince William were in attendance. His family ended up scattering his ashes in Antarctica. Good. The land that he loved so much he let it kill him. Here is the upshot. Lewis Rudd, a student of Worsley's who had accompanied him on several polar trips took it upon himself to avenge his trainer and his trainer's master. Yes! He set out in late 2018, not that long ago, on the exact same trip that Henry attempted.
1: Same path and everything?
2: Same path.
1: Only sled with the same gear?
2: Solo, alone. Lewis Rudd successfully completed the trip in early 2019. 56 total days was the hike, and he fulfilled the dreams of both his mentor and the guy who was his mentor's hero. Nice. He became the first solo man to cross Antarctica. Damn. Do you wow and That just happened. Yeah. It's wow. nice time. So, that's it. It took three people to do it, two failed attempts, but third time to charm. Shiver. Third time in yeah. the charm there, though. Right. So, definitely bet he was shivering
1: right. the whole time. Yeah. I so wish
3: Henley? Who's that his name? Henry. Henry. Mm-hmm. I wish he made it.
1: Yeah, that's a sad guy. He deserved to make it. Did the other guy, uh, the guy that did make it, did he just carry the same sled, like a sled with?
2: Yeah, he did a lot less weight though. That was the other thing. That's how I was kind of like saying, I think weight's a bigger issue because this dude set out with his sled like seventy five pounds lighter.
3: Yeah. Okay. And then also you said his total expedition time was fifty six. Fifty six. He's so much faster. Yeah. The other he dude was, got sixty three days in, and that was he was quite a bit younger. Yeah. That's
2: another thing. He, I think, he was yeah. maybe ten to thirteen years younger. But man, I, w- yeah. I I agree with you. I wish Henry would have made it. He deserved. He, he was he pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah, as hard and as he I could. wonder
3: if if Lewis had to go through the storms. Yeah, you maybe know. he didn't pick the right weather. He he well, didn't get the mother of all storms. One <laughs> yeah. thing
2: I found interesting is like like they were saying i don't exactly know when henry did it well yeah 2015 they said it was like a worldwide phenomenon i had no idea that was going on me either and then prince william was all in that and then when lewis rudd did it i think there was even less exposure like for <laughs> no some one reason, yeah for some it. reason all the hype just died down like prince william was yeah. like this guy no. is doing it <laughs> <laughs>
3: But yeah, so that's the story. All right. Two failures and success. Yeah, well, he probably did shiver more than
2: <laughs> any person ever. Yeah. yeah. All
3: right, Joe. Okay. Joe, so what do you got for us? Um, another man that had an episode of his life of shivering. You <clears throat> may know the name. Uh, Fyodor Mikhailovich Dostoevsky. Oh, yeah. uh, author? the author of Crime and Punishment. Yeah, yes. um, uh, many other great books. Book. So sure I've you not loved read it. that one, oh, but I'm good. sure I would love it. Uh. That <clears> was <throat>
2: just so long winded to me. Crime and Punishment, and I don't have the greatest literary, you know, bad. taste. Yeah. Yeah. But that book was very, very long, and it seemed like it was so repetitive. He was like constantly, should I turn myself in? No. Oh, I think I might. Nah. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to do it. Nah, I'm not going to do it. And it was like 400. It was so long. I'm like, this could be five chapters.
3: Yeah. I'm excited to read it. Um, nope. I have read another book of his that uh, I'm sure is kind of like that. Which? Um, the Idiot. Mm. Uh, and I like it. I love... Was it long? His style of writing. Oh, yeah. Okay. All his books are long. That's just him. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> that, yeah, that's just how he writes. Um, okay, so anyway... Born November 11th in 1821, uh, he was the second child of Dr. Mikhail Dostoyevsky and Maria Dostoevskaya. Oh, okay. <laughs> a bit of a different ending, I guess. Um, and where? Where was he born? Russia. Okay. Um, I believe on the edges of Moscow, yeah. Uh, but so they were raised... In a family home in the grounds of the Merlinsky Hospital for the Poor. Um, so, yeah. Because his a, dad was a doctor. Yeah. His dad was a doctor, yes. Okay. So yeah. he probably worked at the hospital. Yeah. Um, and then, starting from the age of three, uh, his nanny would read him stories and sagas and, you know, fairy tales and legends, good things like Homer. Stuff like that. So he was getting good literary exposure. Oh yeah, good stuff oh, yeah. early on. Um, Man, what what time was this? 1821. 1821. He was born in born 21. Born in 21. 1821. <clears throat> um, some of his childhood experiences show up later in his works. Uh, there's one um, a nine year a nine year old girl uh, was raped by a drunk guy. Um, and he was asked by his father um, to help attend to her. Oh, yeah? The hospital. And the incident haunted him and became a theme. The theme um, of a, a man's desire for a young woman was oh. uh, showed up a lot in his works, mm. um, which it did in the one that I read. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, he was known as hot-headed and stubborn. Um, he was very religious. Well, his father was very religious. Uh, and he was sent to a French boarding school. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. wee! Oui, oui. And he was described as a pale, introverted dreamer and an overexcitable romantic. <laughs> um, overexcitable
2: romantic. That comes through. That comes through in
3: his, in his writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... September uh, 1837, so he'd have been about 16. His mother died of tuberculosis,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, and then he and his brother were sent to St. Petersburg to attend the Free Nikolaev Military Engineering Institute. Man, so um, their
2: their dad just didn't want anything to do with them. Yeah, and it's, it's like a, why they only have used these? them as
3: a guinea pig for work. Yeah, then, take care hey, of this, take care of this victim for me. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Scar you as a child, and then I'm going to send you away to boarding school.
3: Yeah. Um, well, so, during the, his time at the Institute, he was known as solitary and always just inhabited it in his own literary world. Um, but nonetheless, everyone liked him and respected him, and he became known as Monk Photius. That's and awesome. I know. Uh, I, like an Fodius, un- unofficial monk. Well, that's just what they called him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that's cool. And Photius was an actual church leader from, I want to say 300s, I don't know, um, but he was supposed to be one of the most influential and powerful church leaders of his time. That's such a dope nickname. I know. If somebody Monk was just like, Fodius. Monk Photius, I'd be like, that is me, Thank yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <mine> very much. <laughs> um, and then here's where the first signs of shivering come in, um, Signs of epilepsy began to show um, mm. around 1839 when he learned of the death of his father. Mm. So, yeah, interesting.
2: Did he have anything to do with the death? Was he there? No, He's... he wasn't there. He was <clears throat> at the military academy. Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. <clears throat> I wonder if that's coincidence, or I wonder if he had a little bit of like guilt, or. Because I know you can get Maybe. the onset of
3: some of that stuff if you have, like, some guilt or if you yeah. have, like, a psychological yeah. trauma. Um, the official cause of death was an apoplectic stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, however, the neighbor accused the father serf of murder. Mm. Um, and he was found guilty and sent <gasps> to Siberia.
2: Whoa, yeah. Dude now I'm thinking does Dostoevsky always <laughs> was he in on it did he know could he have saved his father's I mean, as life far by boarding as we him? know
3: well what what this how I understood this is that it's we know now that the official cause was a stroke Oh.
2: but his, this
3: is just what happened but his he neighbor was accused, accused and found guilty his slave of killing him yeah um, Yeah. Serf. so and he
2: was found guilty. Yeah,
3: and shipped okay. to Siberia to a labor camp. Oh, God. Um, well, that's a bad... Yeah, that's
2: a really bad rap for that guy. He's like, please, oh, I, yeah. I swear. He just had a stroke. He just fell over. You're a dirty liar, son. <laughs> <laughs> you're going away.
3: And, uh, especially at that time, and someone with that status. I mean, as soon as you get accused, you, oh, you're convicted. What can that's, you do? Yeah. You're a surf. That is easy as it gets. Surf um, on out of here. So, he kind of started to begin writing um, and a lot of his stories were unsuccessful uh, and he was in financial trouble and so he joined the utopian socialist Betikov circle Hmm. (laughs) Um, it was a tightly knit community and they helped him survive Um, the circle eventually dissolved and he joined the uh, let's see Patrashevsky circle um, founded by Mikhail Patrashevsky. Which
2: So, what are, like, did they just meet and talk? They proposed
3: social reforms in Russia. Did
2: any of them ever gain traction or do anything?
3: Well, here's what's happened to them. They totally just
2: met and talked, because they are lonely people. I mean, well,
3: that's, I guess, how it started. (laughs) But this other guy, Mikhail Petrushevsky, started another one. And then he joined that one. Okay. And that's the one that proposed to, they proposed social reforms. So they were trying to... Socialist stuff. Was um, he like
2: a politician?
3: No, but so I could just time... start.
2: So I could just start the Trenton Circle, and like people would just be like, "Yeah, I'm going. I'm a member." Well, they had
3: an, a political agenda,
2: but they weren't politicians.
3: So what would they do? Well, Dostoevsky not... wasn't a politician. Oh, okay, but maybe like, the other people. Yeah. Would. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Um. But yeah. So anyhow, eventually, and I. Didn't get the year. Um, they were denounced to Leprandi, uh, an official... Um, yeah, I don't know where Leprandi is. <laughs> Whatever, it's Leprandi. Um, and this blows me away. This was illegal. Dostoyevsky was accused of reading works by Bolinsky.
4: <gasps>
3: no! I don't know Uh-oh. Um, Including a banned letter uh, And circulating copies of these works To other people Oh, how Um, could he Yeah, which, you know, of course They're not okay with that And so there was a government agent that reported the group Of course And and in one of the papers that they were passing around It was said to have criticized Russian politics And religion So you're gonna get killed for that shit (laughs) Um, Yeah And he
2: was already banished
4: Yeah
3: well, the case was discussed for four months, um, and then they were eventually sentenced to death by firing squad. Damn, um, that's
2: a bad rap.
3: Yeah. So Man. So, they were taken to Simyonov Place in St. Petersburg, December 23rd, 1849, and they were split into three groups. Dostoyevsky was the third in the second row. Um, I bet he's shivering. Oh, probably, yeah. It's December. And he's about to get executed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's shaking his Distan. little probably. knees off. Um, well, so right before the execution, um, I mean, moments. He peed his pants. No. Oh. The execution was stayed when a cart delivered a letter, uh, commuting the sentence. So, they were all saved last moment. And at the beginning of The Idiot, the one, the book of his that I have read, yeah. um, there's a scene of a man going to get executed. And the way he writes about it, I mean, it's Whoa. riveting. And then I found out later that he actually went through that. And it's just like... Think about that. Damn.
2: Like, moments before you've resigned to just dying. Yeah, I mean, you've already accepted... What is life at that point? Like, that, you have a whole new... I've been yeah. like... Well, I'm willing to bet I've never had a near-death experience. Has anybody had a near-death experience? Like, a legitimate... One, here? Not Mm -hmm. like that, no. I'm almost
1: drowned, but that was more, I was swimming across a pool, and then I started not being (laughs) on top of the water, but still doggy paddling, and then I couldn't breathe for a while, and then I stopped seeing for a little bit, and then I got to the other side, and I crawled out, and I was just like, "Uh, uh." and I was okay in the end. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) That was me trying to swim across a pool when I was six years old. I was young. It was before I'd taken, it was like, before I actually knew how to swim. I just doggy paddled the whole yeah. fucking pool and the lifeguard didn't see me. It's a shitty lifeguard. I know, that's yeah. what I was
2: thinking. <laughs> the kid is, like, going under and the guy's like, he's doing fine. Hey, he's got this. <laughs> he's a champ.
3: Damn. But I made it, so it was fine. Didn't nice. think I was going to make
2: it,
1: but I got it.
3: Okay, well, now here comes the main shivering. Oh. He was sentenced, well, I don't know how long the sentence was, but he ended up serving... Four years of exile in Siberia Doing just hard labor in a prison camp yeah. So he kind of went to the same place that surf got sent to yeah. Do they get
1: like warm clothes or food or anything?
3: I'm sure they're treated like shit <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it's just like a concentration a camp yeah. I, mean, yeah.
1: you get, like, I mean it's cruel. what, 1800s still isn't it? Yeah This was
3: 1849 was when they were going to be executed Oh yeah, this dude's um, just fucked so, after his four-year service at the labor camp, uh, he was a he did a term of compulsory military service, um, mm. and then I'm not sure exactly. I think this was when they were being transported, but they had a 14-day sleigh ride, uh, and then the prisoners reached Tobolsk, um, and. Dostoyevsky while they were there, despite all the circumstances, was consoling all the other prisoners and helping them feel better and everyone um, came to love him for his compassion, you know, just he was an awesome guy. Oh. He didn't give them the cold shoulder. Exactly. Um
1: you think about that one for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty proud of that one. That was
3: a good one. Um, and then Dostoevsky described the places that they were staying. So, his words are, In summer, intolerable closeness. In winter, unendurable cold. All the floors were rotten. Filth on the floors an inch thick. One could slip and fall. We were packed like herrings in a barrel. There was no room to turn around. From dusk to dawn, it was impossible not to behave like pigs. Fleas, lice, and black beetles by the bushel.
1: Oh, man. God, you're literally just, like, infested humans.
3: Um... And then for whatever reason, he was classified as one of the most dangerous convicts, so his entire sentence, he was his hands and feet were shackled until he was released. I bet that rubbed his wrists and ankles raw. Oh, I bet. That had to have destroyed him. Uh, dude, and I
2: bet he was classified that high because of his intelligence. I That's what I was thinking. They recognized him as a guy that maybe could Cause think. Because
3: he had already began, began writing yeah, and had a, a little scholar, success. Yeah,
2: and he might, they might say, like, this guy, he's being nice to the other prisoners. They're probably yeah. wondering if he'd start an uprising.
1: Exactly. I, mean, I yeah. wouldn't be. Dude, it's the intellectuals you gotta look out for, not the mean yeah. heads.
3: Um, so, in addition to the seizures that he started having, uh, he had hemorrhoids, oh, lost gosh. a lot of weight, and was burned, this is, a, this is a quote, burned by some fever, trembling, and a feeling too hot or too cold every night. Dang. Um, well, after
2: nearly dying and then being immediately sent to four years of hard labor in
3: the cold, I'm sure he's not doing too good.
2: Yeah. Is he still writing
3: at this point, or is he pretty much done? He did write one book in prison. Wow. Um, is it good? You know what it was? I haven't read it. And, no, I don't remember what it was. No. Um, but, while they were in there, also, one bathroom... Had to suffice for more than 200 people. Oh! Yeah. And you could smell shit throughout the whole place. I mean, it was everywhere. I'm um, surprised
2: people even wasted the time going to the bathroom. If things were that bad. I am just put my pants down guy got right there.
3: Yeah, right? wouldn't even make much of a difference, it sounds like. <laughs> um, he was eventually, you know, released. Uh, and then in 1856, he sent a letter... Uh, to General Edward Toltlebin apologizing for his activity in the socialist circles, um, and as a result, obtained the right to publish books and to marry nice. in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but he remained under police surveillance for the rest of his life. Wow! And just, they had a secret police just for some writing this time,
2: just for passing around some writing. That's right. Like yeah. he didn't even take action. Yeah. That's a that's a really harsh treatment. And his
3: defense was, I was just reading it as a literary monument. That was it. Not as... Ah. Oh. You know. um, well, he married in 1857 uh, to a woman who refused him for a while, but he eventually got her. Um, and then they described their relationship as just unhappy. <laughs> they were never happy together, but the less happy they were, the more they loved each other and just needed to be with each other? I don't know. Strange. (laughs) Their
1: lives turned to shit, but because they turned to shit together, they had to stay together and they loved it.
3: Maybe. I think it's like a can't live with them, can't Can't live live without. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It says after they mostly lived apart. Mm. so Still married or divorced? Still married. Yeah. Um, And then he was eventually released from military service. So that's how he... When he was released from prison, he was in military service.
1: Yeah. That's how he got the somewhat normal life?
3: Yeah, then he gained the right to marry and publish. Publish, okay. Um, uh, so yeah, he got married, and then... Eventually, he was granted the right to return to Russia. So at this point, I think he was...
1: Still in Siberia?
3: Well, that's Russia. Siberia is. Hmm. Um, Still in Russia. But I guess that could have been... They might have just not included that, like, civilized Russia, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like Siberia is, like, the exile part of Russia. You're yeah, like,
3: yeah. <laughs> it's
1: like the slums of Russia. We put you there when you're bad. <laughs> it's yeah. timeout zone. <laughs>
3: um, well, he finally saw his brother after the first time in ten years. Um, and then eventually, his first wife, she passed away, let's see... Yeah, his wife and brother died in 1964, uh, and so he was a single parent of his stepson, and he had to support his brother's family. Oh. And he was already, you know... He was already an not ex-con wealthy. in yeah. the military. Um, and then he eventually found a second wife, um, Anna Snitkina, and they had their first child, um, who was born March 5th, 1868, died three months later of pneumonia. Oh... Um, They just try again. I mean, back in that time, they are just like, all right, let's get another one going. Yeah. They probably already had another one coming. A second child, um, who, as far as I know, lived healthy to grow up. Um, Dostoyevsky's health began to decline further. In 1877, he had four epileptic seizures that were really incapacitating for him. Um, And he's like almost
2: 50 at this point?
3: 77, yeah, he'd be 56. Okay. Uh, Seventy nine. He was diagnosed with early stage pulmonary emphysema. Oh wow, that's
2: like pretty pretty medical. Yeah, that's better. Like even that phrase alone is better than I thought was going on. In <laughs> yeah, nineteen seventy or eighteen seventy seven.
3: Um, his doctor believed it could be managed but not cured. Uh, but it, he didn't manage it well. Um, <sighs> so he probably just gave him lots of like
2: opiates and. Probably <laughs>
3: heroin <Yeah>. or something.
1: <laughs> you got a problem with some heroin? Or the
3: they <laughs> released some of the humors? Do you know about that? The humors, yeah. No, um, I don't. Before modern medicine, uh, they there were four humors that they thought, like, kind of balanced the body, and so they thought any disease or sickness was a uh, corrupted humor. Yeah, an imbalance of the humors. There was blood, bile, oh. black bile and what the something else I don't remember. but so a lot of times if you were really sick, doctors would try to balance your humors they would literally just bleed you.
2: Yeah, bloodletting. yeah oh yeah and that's it's, it's what that's it ended up killing a lot of people. yeah it was George, horrible. George I read a lot about like George Washington had a lot of disease going on and all they did they kept bringing in doctors and they were all just telling him to do more bloodletting. And he just kept pouring out, like, pints and yeah. pints of blood. Because they're just like, that's what you do when you're sick. And yeah. it ended up like, killing him, I'm pretty sure. Like, just ensuring his death.
3: I, yeah. I, <clears throat> <clears throat> so, I mean... <laughs> so dumb. The doctor could have been doing some shit like that. But, anyhow. His children were seeing him die. He was getting real close. Uh, and then close to the end, he requested the parable of the prodigal son be read to his kids kind of as a final request and his gift to them, which had a message that he wanted to Uh give them. And then his last words uh, was a quotation from the Bible, um, Matthew chapter 3, but John forbade him, saying, I have a need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And he finished with, here now. Permit it. Do not restrain me. And, those his final and then words. he died? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, why wow. He died February 9th, 1881. What do you think he was 90s. getting at with, with those final words? You, I'm
2: not sure. Like, why that Bible verse? That didn't really strike me.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not for the moment. Yeah. I couldn't find it. If I'm words, having I just couldn't.
1: on another enlightened level.
3: Yeah. Yeah, could be. He's reached true enlightenment. True. Um... So yeah, there's a brief biography of Dostoevsky, arguably one of the greatest writers ever. Yeah,
2: I like that. I'm yeah, he say. had a fair amount of shit. He of went all through types. a lot of
3: shit, which gave him a lot of good material for his writing. Yeah. I think, which that, makes him, I think, I think that's probably why he's such a good writer.
1: The execution story, yeah, was crazy. Particularly, yeah. Any
2: person that's been on death row and literally that close yeah. to the, term I mean, you've
3: accepted. Your dad.
1: Yeah. You think yeah. that's why he was so nice to people and his concentration oh, yeah. camp, be
0: Probably, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is interesting. Like, especially with this show, I'm sure a lot of listeners are the same way. You guys seem to know who this guy is. I had never heard of him. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I, and, I mean, I might have, and I'm author, not realizing yeah. it, but, yeah, I don't think
2: I knew too much about this guy, so thank you for sharing Yeah, absolutely, it. yeah. Well, have you heard of, was it, Crime and Punishment, Crime and right? Punishment, yeah, Punish, yeah. yeah, so I know yeah. that. Yeah, he wrote that. The classic.
3: Um, but, you know. I, and then the idiot, like you said. But other than that... And then the brother's Karamazov. That's considered to be his magnum opus.
2: Oh! Yeah. I love I that know. term. I know.
3: Magnum um. opus for the
2: uneducated is their culmination of their work. Like their... Like the, their piece of resistance. <laughs> <yes>. That's <their, laughs> Like their one that's like, this is They're my peak. best. peak. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh.
1: They peak and then it's never the
2: same. <laughs> but it's usually self-described. It's so the magnum opus is like, I do know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. So... It's up to you to determine the magnum opus, But anyway, so... It's up to you to
1: determine the randomly generated word. Wordtron.
2: Indeed. Well, I won't determine it, but it'll be random for sure. You want to get a drum roll going? All right, and it is... Awake! Awake! (laughs) Oh, Lord, I gotta be awake so early in the morning. That's gonna be a good one
0: for our listeners to uh, hopefully rise in the morning and (laughs) be awake for to start their day with. Uh, A little
1: bit of awake and bake. (laughs) Guys, thanks for joining
0: us.
4: See you next week.